our guest speaker for today needs little to no introduction. He is a gifted and well sought after preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He serves currently on the staff alongside with his father at the Church Without Walls in Houston, Texas. Please join me in welcoming to our broadcast, the Reverend Ralph D. West II. Good morning. If you will, for a few moments, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you so much, Pastor, for this invitation to share the Word of God with the people, the men and women and children whom God has entrusted you with. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning of verse 1, it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to tag this text this morning. Look no further. Here in Texas, normally March, is the Cowtown Marathon. Well, something significant happened that actually changed the tenor and tone of the marathon March 2015. Like any other marathon there, the runners prepared at 6 a.m. in the morning for this 24-mile run. It's anticipated to be about two and a half hours. Well, that morning, like expected, the starter pistol is shot, and the pitter-pattering of feet pound against the pavement up the hills and around the corners. After some time, when everyone is looking at this group of runners, there's one particular gentleman that was separating himself from the rest of the crowd. He was gathering and garnering a great amount of attention. Phones were being pulled out as pictures started to pop up on everyone's timeline on social media. And this gentleman, coming around the end of the race, it's about two hours and 15 minutes or so, he has literally separated himself from the rest of the crowd, about 9,000 other runners, separated himself so much so he leaves the crowd of people behind by several minutes. Now, if you ever ran before, you know how significant that is. Well, he separates himself. He leaves behind the crowd of runners by several minutes. He enjoys the ribbon around his waist all by himself. He's the clear-cut winner. There's no question about it. The preparation for the award ceremony begins. They're building the desk for uh, those who have completed the race to receive uh, their awards. Well, there's a great deal of ruckus that happens around. You see the gentlemen with their headphones and their clipboards with a confused look on their face. There's an announcement that is on the 
loud speaker that says Scott Downer is the winner. Everybody knew that. No one was surprised at all, but something happened. Scott is preparing to receive his award, but then over the loud speaker, it says again, Scott Downer has been disqualified. Well, it comes to everyone's attention. It comes to everyone's attention that Scott Downer is disqualified from the race because he did not register for the run. It looked like he was the clear winner, but because he did not register for the race, he was disqualified from receiving his award. You know, on a higher, heavier, holier level, you know, this life in which we live is nothing but a race. And some people, they're running and it seems like they're lapping us. But there will come a day we will meet the finish line. And the text is tailored to teach you and I simply this, that if you do not register in Jesus's name, you are disqualified from the certain victory that you can claim. The author of the book of Hebrews is attempting to encourage the brothers and sisters who are in the Christian race. They're exhausted and somewhat discouraged. They've been rejected by family and friends, leaving their Jewish uh, religion. <laughs> Jew to be a Jew had just as much to do with uh, race as much as it was religion. But to become a Jew and then converting over to this new lifestyle, this revolutionary religion called the way, you and I know it as Christianity, They've been rejected by family, friends. The government is oppressing them. And many of them are tempted to turn back and give up on the faith. But the author sends a word of encouragement to this group of Christians. He says here in chapter 12, he says, therefore. Now, those of us, whenever we read that, you already know that word, therefore, is nothing but a bridge connecting the previous thought because as the author is encouraging the believers, he's continuing the previous thought and the foundation of it was faith. In chapter 11, that's what he was talking about. It was normally called the Hall of Fame of Faith. He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what is not seen. And in chapter 11, we have a hall of fame, a line of heroes and sheroes, Moses by faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob by faith, Samson by faith, Noah by faith, David by faith. They did these great things that were under great tension, stress and pressure. And the author connects this thought with the foundation of faith, giving us a list of men and women who were up against great tension, stresses, and pressures, and says, therefore, you and I are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He's talking about the foundation of faith, keeping the faith, pointing to those in the Hall of Fame, and says, you and I, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. He's using the image of the amphitheater where the Olympic Games would be played, where the boxers or the races would be ran, they would be in the theater or the auditorium that would rise way up into the sky. 
and it's filled with different people who are seated in those rafters and they're cheering on those fighters or those runners or whoever's on the field. And they're giving those words of encouragement, chanting them on, cheering on, cheering them, encouraging them, using their words in their presence, pushing them further to run harder, fight harder, or run faster, to go further than they've ever gone before, simply by their presence and their cheers and their encouragement. You know, when I first read this, I thought it was so distant, but it actually happened to me. I can relate to what the author is saying here. Uh, some years ago, some classmates and I, we took a trip to Israel. And one of my classmates was also my cousin, Lee Edwards. Uh, we took the challenge with the rest of the group to climb up Mount Masan. The mountain is about a mile and a half up. And it was a group of us who said, hey, we're gonna take the challenge and we're gonna climb the mountain. Now. At the time, I was like, well, this is no big deal. I could climb this a mile and a half. I could run that in my sleep. Oh, but did things change when it was time to climb up that mountain? It was literally like every step I was lunging. I mean, these huge steps climbing up the mountain. And the first step, second step, we looked at each other. Oh, this is no big deal. But as we kept climbing up together, that crowd, that group of us, some of us fell behind some went further ahead and it felt like almost mid-mountain my cousin and I we looked at each other and just there's there's tears of sweat falling down our faces and we looked at one another and just said man I sure do want to quit and while that sun was leaning on us and everything looked so far away we're in the middle of the mountain as we looked up there were some other men and women from our group that looked over the mountain looked down at us and called us by our name. Ralph, Lee, you can do it, you can do it. And it was the strangest thing. It was as if something inside of me rose up and lifted me to my feet. And when I saw people who I knew that called my name, who, was, who were once with me, but now ahead of me, calling me by name, giving me words of encouragement, it just was like wind was beneath me and gave me the strength I needed to go further than I thought I can go. That's one of the things I love about the church. It's only in the church where an encouragement can touch you and enrich you like no other social club, no other community, no other group can because it is a eternal power source that is coming from eternity, touching us, enriching us, and lifting us to give us the spiritual energy that we need to keep on going, to keep on pushing. That's what the author is saying. He said, we have a great cloud of witnesses who are over in glory, who are not just spectators, but they're men and women who have been where you are. And they're not looking, heckling us, but they're encouraging us, saying, we've been there, we've done that. We made it, you can do it. Keep on pushing, keep on praying, keep on serving, keep on believing. And the author says, we have this greater cloud of witnesses to encourage us. But he also wants us to know, even though we have this great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, they cannot run for us. Mm -hmm. Scott Downer, as I mentioned earlier, 
he was dis disqualified from the race because he did not register for the run. But he was also disqualified on a second account because once they looked at his number, they noticed that the number that was on his chest, he didn't register for it, but that number actually was assigned to a gentleman named Gary Faulkner. Wow. And they found out that Gary is the one who registered for the race, but the one that was wearing the name, wearing the number, Scott Downard, was actually a decorated runner from Oklahoma University. Isn't that amazing how many of us in our race, we really believe somebody else can run our route. Let me say it this way. Your mama's faith isn't your faith. Your daddy's Christianity isn't your faith. Your grandmama and your grandfather's faith isn't your faith. They ran for before us, but they cannot run for us. You have to own your faith. You have to own your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can say, like the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that encourage us. They enrich us. They've gone before us, but they cannot run for us. They're motiva motivations for the race, but they're not the foundation of the run. And as we run this race, keep in mind, the author says to us, let us lay aside every weight. I'm reading from the ESV version, maybe in your NIV or your King James version, lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us or entangles us. For the sake of humor, many of us, we've been introduced or reintroduced to the word entanglement due to the confessions of Jada Pickett Will Smith. Thank you very much for leading us back to scripture. That is a biblical word that we often uh, miss. But the author is saying, lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us, entangles us. Lay it aside. Every weight that so easily ensnares us, entangles us, slips us up. I want you to think about that. Well, you know what? No need to get in he no need of us getting heavy or deep. Let me meet you where you are. You don't have to be you don't have to tell the truth. I mean, confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation. I already know I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And maybe some of you are going to do like me after church. I'm going to get some fried chicken. <laughs> I'm going to eat some macaroni and cheese with my fried chicken. I'm going to drink the sweetest sweet tea that I can make after this sermon. Why? Because I want it and I like it. But on the other side of it, you know, like I do, if you eat that fried chicken and the macaroni and cheese, or how about this? If you eat it late at night, what's going to happen? You're going to pack on some pounds. We know that. I mean, some of us right now, you know, trying to work off these Corona calories. <laughs> and isn't it amazing how easy weight is to put on? <laughs> yes, sir. It's amazing how easy. You can pack on the pounds. The higher, heavier, holier level in the same way. It's so easy to get caught up in doing what you want to do that you know you don't need to do. It's easy to 
cuss somebody out when they cut you off on the road. I mean, it's easy to just retaliate to the person that has greatly offended you. It's easy. Well, the author is saying for us to be careful. Look to those that have gone before us for some encouragement and some guidance how to handle some of these things. Because there are certain situations that will easily trip us up, that'll entangle us, that'll ensnare us. And snare is a picture of a bear trap where a bear that is walking through the woods and the jaws clamp onto him because of a simple misstep. And that can happen to us because of a simple misstep going in the wrong direction. The jaws of life can clamp on us and ensnare us and entangle us. But listen to what the author says. He said, lay aside, throw it away, throw off any weight that so easily ensnares us. Now, if he's telling us to throw it off, it's implying something, isn't it? On the one hand, this is the picture used for all of the athletes when it was time for them to either run their race or if they were swimmers or boxers, when it was time for them to perform or compete, they were stripped down to the bare minimum clothing needed so they could have all the dexterity and flexibility necessary so they can adequately address their assignments so nothing is in the way, so nothing ensnares them, entangles them. But when he says throw off any weight that so easily ensnares us, entangles us, he's saying that there has to be a conscious choice. And it also says that there's some stuff that we just hold on to. So we need to throw it off. My birthday is August 26. Whenever I think of my birthday, on the one hand, my goodness, hurricanes after hurricanes. We got Hurricane Lauren, and on my birthday was Hurricane Harvey. You know, 15 years ago, Hurricane Katrina. My goodness, you know, my birthday, August 26th, just seems so haunted. Uh, and then you go back even further, August 26, 2001, was the death of the beauty and the songstress Aaliyah. The topsy says that. Uh, her death, it didn't have to be that way. We know that her plane crashed, but there's something else that happened once we probed into that plane crash. It's said that the plane, its weight by itself was 4,300 pounds, and its takeoff weight is 6,300 pounds, which means that's the max that it can take. Well, they found there was 600 pounds worth of luggage. The gasoline by itself was 800 pounds. She had nine people with her and two of them weighed over 300 pounds. And it wasn't so much the weight that caused the crash, but it was the uneven distribution of the weight in the hidden places that allowed the pilot to lose control of the aircraft. So many words, the plane didn't have to crash, but if she would not have carried on so much weight, if she would have let some stuff behind, she possibly would be alive today. 
But in the same way in many of our lives right now, you may not see any entanglements or anything that's holding you up. But some of us have some things that we're holding on to that are keeping us stuck and stagnant. You know where you want to go and what you're trying to do in your life, but you might be holding on to some secret weights that are holding you back, that are keeping you down. Maybe it's something that's in your thought life that you're holding on to. Maybe it's some hurt from your mother or your father. Maybe it's some disappointment or a dream deferred that you've held on to. Maybe it's some private habit that you know is keeping you from going to the next level in your life. You know it because you keep on holding on to it. And it's gone from a point of you holding on to it, but it's holding on to you. But the author says you got a choice. You can throw it off and let it go. Yes, sir. Lay aside any, every, all weight that so easily ensnares us. I'm almost done. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at that. There's some weights that hold us down. But guess what? There's some other weights that will push you forward. Run with endurance. That's the picture of someone who has stamina. Run with endurance. Stamina. You can't have stamina without having a strong heart. Run with endurance. Look at the parallel. There are some ways that will ensnare us, but there are some ways that will give us endurance. How do you get endurance? I'm glad you asked. You can get endurance, you can get stamina only if and when you pick up something heavy that'll make you work harder. Just like you know, I told you already, I'm going to eat that fried chicken. But still, I'm still on my uh, quest of trying to shave some pounds. That sounds like a contradiction. Hey, I said it. Truth is, you know, being honest, truth is good for the soul, bad for the reputation. I'm just being honest. But I remember when I was able to go to the gym, I was on this quest to conquer the stair meal. Listen, I made up in my mind, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to conquer that stair meal. And every time I went to 24-hour gym, it was just so intimidating. It was always in the back of the gym, and it was the tallest machine there. Was, I thought it was, you know, psychological warfare every time. Well, I remember, popped my back, had my towel, said, I'm going I'm to take out this, this stair meal. And I started going on there, pushing my number, boop, 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 boop. I said, okay, let me stop at about, you know, level six, level seven. Let me stop right there. So I'm up there, I'm stepping, I'm being smooth with it. <laughs> I'm all right, okay. Now, if you ever been on that stair mill, you probably recognize this move right here. Put my towel on the number, you know, try to make the time go by quicker. <laughs> Man, I, I, I was getting a little exhausted. I pulled the towel off. That thing said three minutes and 30 seconds. I got off that stair mill, and I saw this little sister. Now, I, I ain't that tall myself. This little small sister got up on the stair mill. I was paying attention to the boots. Boop, 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 boop. I'm looking. 
And I saw her. She getting on. She was on that meal. She was getting it. Boom. I mean, going. She was going. And I was just, I mean, I was just looking just with an evil eye. I'm like, what? She was getting it. When it was over with, I said, come here. Now, how did you do that? How did you do that? She started laughing at me. She said, you looking at me right now, being able to be on the stair meal for an hour, 15 minutes. But I had to start at three minutes, then work my way up to five, work my way up to seven. Then my homiletical wheels started to turn. How many times? Some of us, we always want to get way up to level Z, but nobody wants to take the A, B, C steps to get there. Just like sin easily entangles us over time, running with endurance happens over time. This life, this race in which we run, it is not a sprint, but it is a marathon. And sometimes the only way we can have that endurance is if we pick up something heavy. It's not easy. It's sometimes difficult stuff we have to pick up. But then some things we don't have to pick up. Some heavy stuff the Lord just puts on us. And if I can encourage you right now to do one thing in your thinking, stop thinking that everything heavy or bad in your life, the devil did it. It might be that the Lord is putting some heavier stuff on you because he is trying to make you stronger, to give you the endurance to handle what he has for you in the next level in your life. Because if you don't have the stamina, that means your heart ain't ready for it. Some stuff that you want, your heart not ready for it. But God said, let me put some of this difficult stuff on you to really make you flex your faith muscles. And then when your faith muscles are strong enough and your heart is strong enough, God will say, okay, you can handle this. Some stuff we don't have, if we honest, is because we just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And this is where the author makes the turn. He says, therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's your encouragement from eternity to give you the the, 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 the eternal energy and the strength to keep on pushing. But then when you're running this race, you look into those cloud of witnesses. Remember, they ran before us, but they can't run for us. So lay aside every weight, all that stuff. Hey, it's easy. It's easy to let it. It's easy for us to get, to get tripped up and entangled in all this kind of stuff. But let us run with endurance. Sometimes you got to pick up something hard, pick up a different responsibility, a difficult, a new spiritual discipline, or the Lord might put something on you that you weren't prepared for, but don't think it's the devil. It might be God is trying to get you stronger. And when all else fails, look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. When you just can't when you when you can't look to those cloud of witnesses, when you feel like you can't hold, we can't let go of some of these weights or when you feel like you don't have the endurance to keep on pushing. Look under Jesus. The author is still in line with these athletic pictures. He's on the one hand 
is using an image that tracked stars, erasers, the runners, kept in mind while they're running, keeping their eye on the goal, keeping their eye on the mark. He's using the same type of language to you to tell us to look intensely and intently. Look unto Jesus. I'm sure you may remember the 2016 Olympic. You remember when the fastest man on the planet, Usain Bolt, I mean, he blasted past all of his competition. Well, he did something that kind of offended some of the uh, Hall of Fame track stars that went before him. You remember when he started running, he ran and he looked back at his competition. We thought it was funny. But some of the commentators really didn't take too well with that because the general consensus was simply this. He could have gone a lot further if he would have kept his eyes forward. Can I tell you something? Some of us, while we're trying to run our race, the race of faith, a lot of us, we're slowing ourselves down because we're looking at other people. Looking at somebody else and what they have. If, if I had what they had, I'd be a lot further. But you're slowing yourself down. Or you might be looking at somebody else saying, you know, I got more than them and I'm better. But you're slowing yourself down. But if you look unto Jesus and look no further than our Lord, you'll realize that you don't even deserve to be in the lane that you're in when you're running. Because to even be alive right now to run is nothing but grace. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, as we look unto Jesus, it's also a reminder and another encouragement that we might have skipped over in verse one, where it says the race that is set before us, meaning that the race that you're running, it has already been carved out by the author and the finisher of our faith, which means that anything that might shock you is no surprise to Jesus. Anything that catches you off guard is nothing new to him. So if we're keeping our eye on the author, the finisher of our faith, we look unto him. Whatever we don't know, the good news is he knew it already. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. As we look unto Jesus and we look no further, we realize we also have someone who's a partner with us in our pain. When he look unto Jesus, he endured the cross and despised the shame. We have there a picture of pain on two levels, the physical and the invisible, the physical pain of the cross, but then the shame of the cross. Jesus took on the physical and the invisible pain of the cross. And what some of us need to know is we have a partner in Jesus who partners with us in our pains, some physical pain that we endure. But then there's some invisible pain 
that we bear on our minds and our souls and our spirits. But the good news is, as we look unto Jesus, we have someone who can relate to us in the physical and the invisible world of our pains and our struggles. And as we look unto him, who is a partner in our pain, that is where our power comes from. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As we run our race, remember it's said before us. And he did it not just to partner with us, but for the joy that he would have, that he has in knowing that he has brought his children back in the relationship with his father. Now, where do you see that? I'm glad you asked. It says that he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What does that mean that he's seated? Doesn't sound like much. But if you keep in mind, remember throughout scripture, whenever the priests, they would make their sacrifices of turtle doves, scapegoats, the, the rams, lambs, priest would make the sacrifice in the temple it would be a bloody job but they couldn't sit down they would always make these sacrifices but the priest's job was never done had to come back year after year after year for those sins and for those sacrifices but then in the gospel of john john the baptist says look at this giant lamb with this eraser in his hand, yes, coming to wipe out the sins of the world. Then our Lord, the Lamb of God, would be on the cross, and he would say these words, it is finished, mm -hmm. meaning it is finished with continual redemptive effects. Oh, and after he was seen, he would ascend to the right hand of the Father, seated, at the place of power. He's seated at the place of power because his job is finished. And the good news is that even though he's at the right hand of the Father, he is still right here with you and I. Even though he's at the right hand of the Father, he's our partner in this race with us right now. One last thing and then I'm gone. I've been talking a lot about races. Maybe you remember this one race back in 1992. British young brother named uh, Derek Redmond. He's 24 years old. He looks young and strong, preparing for the 400 meter dash. He was the anticipated winner. Well, the starter pistol is shot. And Derek takes off. But he's looking good. He's looking strong. But then he moves from a sprint to a jog, from a jog to a limp. And from a limp, he crumbles down on the ground. And you see the pain in his face, tears welling up in his eyes. But the camera would pan to the audience and you would see a rumbling in the crowd in the audience. And this gentleman pushing through a crowd and even pushing past the security. Yes, and next to young Derek is his daddy, Jim, 
reaching down to him, standing him up to his feet, mm-hmm. and they're walking together to the finish line. All I could think of is the race is not given to the swift or the strong, but to those who endure until the end. And whenever we find ourselves in a place where we're broken, limping or in pain, we have a partner in pain. We have a partner who's at the right hand of the Father. And whenever we feel like we're by ourselves, all we have to do is say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw from thee, where shall I go? Amen.